Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Anybody excited this morning? Come on, come on. Amen, amen. We're packing up. We're meeting new people, changing lives, amen, building the family of God, building, expanding the kingdom. I'm excited. All right, I'd like to start with a quote. This is a real long one. Don't even try to write it down. Just go like this and listen. Ready? He did not merely... Let's, let's do that again. I need another beat. Where's the guys in the pit? All right, here it is. He did not come merely to preach a gospel. He himself is that gospel. He didn't come merely to give bread. He himself is that bread. He didn't come merely to shed light. He said, I am the light. He didn't come merely to show the door. He said, I am the door. He didn't come merely to name a shepherd. He said, I am the shepherd. He didn't come merely to point the way. He said, I am the way. Amen. Oh, man. That's the gospel. You can go home. Last week, we, well, we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to go through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. If you're just joining us, hang on tight. We're going to just go through the Word like chapter by chapter. And I know that sounds extremely boring, but, but if it's boring to you, you're not doing it right. Amen. So last week we read, we read Paul's words and he, he, he wrote, The message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So today, as we continue in our series through the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians, I want to share a message titled, Plain and Simple. Plain and Simple. Amen? How I many you know sometimes we make it too complicated? Right? We make this church thing too, too difficult sometimes. People don't come because they think, I gotta get everything together before I, and, and then I'm gonna start going to church. No, knucklehead. You gotta come in like a knucklehead and let God get everything together. Amen? Welcome to the fellowship of knuckleheads. I'm not only a member, I'm the president. So, all right, for the rest of the, let's, let's jump into the Word. For the rest of, of the first chapter and the whole second chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on, he's talking about wisdom and about the mysteries of God's wisdom compared to the foolishness of man's wisdom. Right? And so, remember, he's talking to an audience of some very studied men. He's talking to an audience of philosophers and educators and people who respected eloquent speech and poetry. And, and he, Paul, Paul says in chapter 2, You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you and let you in on God's master stroke, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. Verse 2, listen, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, and then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. The message of the cross. Amen? So Paul says, I kept it plain and simple on purpose. Church, imagine if we would keep it plain and simple. Right? 
First Jesus and who he is, and then Jesus and what he did. But we, we make it so complicated. We make it so difficult. Listen, many, most of the things that people blame the devil for are things that they trip themselves up on themselves. Right? Sometimes I, I, I picture the devil, this sad little worm sitting on a bench, and, 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 when, and when Christians in the body of Christ get together, oh, the devil's been attacking me this week. And I picture the devil is this sad little worm on a, on a this like snake, looking like the guy called lizard. That's kind of my, my picture of the devil, right? He's sitting like the guy called lizard, sitting on a bench, going, "I ain't even do nothing. Like I, I ain't even I ain't even know that person existed, right? That person isn't even on my radar." Oh, that's a whole other message. See, so so the, the the message of the cross is that God accepted a sacrifice to take what we deserved. And the grace of that is that he became that sacrifice, plain and simple. Amen? So, Paul, here's the thing, though. Paul was a studied man. He could have dropped philosophy. He could have dropped clever speech. He could have put his words together in a certain way. And he could have persuaded people to believe the gospel. But he says in verse 2, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. And, 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 and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And 4, verse 4, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. The message puts it this way, verse 5, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power and not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork done by me or by anybody else. See, Paul believed if you could be talked into something, then you could be talked out. That was deeper than you guys understood. If you could be, why why do you think so many young people go off into college? Amen? <clears throat> All they need is one knucklehead atheist professor to cut them to pieces and chop them down. And before you know it, they walk out of class on the second day. I don't know if this thing was true. I don't. It's true. What makes this religion different from any other religion? How come this is right? And how come? Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way. No other religion can claim that. Amen? Nothing else, everything else is dead religion. But, but Paul believed if you could be talked into something, you could be talked out. Listen, Paul could have argued with the best of them. Paul had already experienced firsthand the power and the wisdom of God. And so he knew that the Jews demanded signs and that the Greeks wanted an argument. But Paul says, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. I determined to not to, to let the emphasis be the message of the cross, Jesus and him crucified. See, Paul wasn't an ambassador. He well, he was an ambassador, he wasn't a salesman. We got too many salesmen in the pulpits today. Paul was smart enough, he was, he was um, educated enough to debate and to present awesome argument, and, and he had experienced enough of God's power to even pray and ask God for a sign, and, and, and God probably would have done it, but he was being careful to present the gospel and not Paul. See, one of the biggest dangers in church life, one of the widest traps in, 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 in ministry is to let ministry get in the way of majesty. 
Oh, come on. That's good. That's a Facebook quote. Amen. Post it now. One of the biggest dangers is in the widest traps is to let ministry get in the way of majesty. Sometimes they, they were talking about this in the prayer room. And I'm like, did you guys read my notes? Sometimes we get so professional in doing ministry for God that we leave no room for the majesty of God. Paul was determined to present Christ, the living Word of God. Because family, if there's going to be any lasting power, it has to come from the Word. It has to come from the transforming power of God. It's so scary in a culture today where everyone wants to party like a rock star and every preacher wants to be one. We could get so good that we could put on an entire service without God. We can learn from the strategies of human wisdom and we can center everything around emotion and entertainment and human personality. Take the picture, come on. And we can still get great responses, but get little results for the kingdom of God. See, Paul knew, I can't trust in me, so you shouldn't trust in me. Paul knew, I can't believe in me and my ability, so you shouldn't believe in me. Paul knew, I can't rely solely on me, so you shouldn't rely solely on me. Family, you cannot rely on the faith of your pastor. You cannot rely on the faith of your mother or your father. You cannot rely on the faith of your 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 grandma. Bless her heart if she's home praying for you while you were a knucklehead for 13 to 20 years or 40. Paul was trembling as he as he shared this. And listen, I, I understand this. I so relate with Paul because I feel that feeling every week when I prepare for a message before I come up to preach. Sometimes if you were to catch me in that room, you'd you'd call 911 because I look sick. I'm gagging, I'm nervous, I'm shaking, I'm 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 kinda I understand that trembling because we he knew his limitations. He knew his weaknesses. And I know every day, I said, man, I could come out there solely on personality and bang this thing out. And then, and then I catch myself, I said, man, God forbid if I take, by, by the second step, man, God could snatch that from me. And I could get up here and just, and have nothing. And so, so I know that. And so Paul was saying, I can't carry you, but I know who can. I can't protect you, but I know who, who's able. I can't supply for you, but I know who does. Church, I can make you cry with emotions, but I can't comfort your soul. I can make you laugh, but I can't give you joy. Whoo! Paul, Paul realized that he wasn't sent to convince. He was sent as a witness. Church, you and I don't need to convince anybody. You don't have to argue with anybody. I don't, listen, I don't want you to know your word so that you can win arguments. <laughs> I don't want you knocking on people's doors on Saturday morning and waking them up to argue with them about the four scriptures that you know. 
The word says in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Too many get it twisted and we want to study to show ourselves approved unto man. Later on in the next chapter, Timothy says, In the last days, people will have the appearance of godliness, but they will deny its power. See, Paul had every qualification, I want you to get this in your head, to show himself approved unto these men. And instead, he led with his weakness. He led with humility. And I, I think it's important right here that we know a little bit more about Paul, the, the author kind of that penned these words through, through the Spirit of God that we're reading in these books. And so, listen, if, if you're a church veteran, bear with me. You might know this and you might understand all this, but God was showing me there's a lot of us that are new to the kingdom of God. Amen? And so we could talk about Paul and, we could, and we're talking about Paul and Paul and Paul and Paul and, and we can make Paul this superhero, but you need to understand who Paul was. And so allow me to, to kind of to, to get us all kind of where, where we should be right now with the word. Amen? So for the sake of your brothers that might not be familiar, let me, let me kind of tell you who Paul is. Is that all right? So in the book of Acts, starting around chapter 7, we read about a man who was preaching the word of God. His name was Stephen. And this Stephen man, he stood up to the religious people of that time and, and he was preaching and just breaking it down. And you know, when you, when you bring the light to somebody that's, 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 you know, been in darkness for a long time, when you bring, it hurts their eyes, right? People get upset. Anybody, you bring truth to somebody and they get offended, right? I mean, don't be a knucklehead either. Don't go bringing truth, you know, but that's a, that's a whole other thing. But so Stephen was bringing this truth to them and they were getting angry and, and it got to the point where they chased them out of the city. Uh, can you imagine? They chased them out of the city and they picked up rocks and they started stoning Stephen. And it's awesome because the word of God says that as they were stoning him, he started praying and he was forgiving them. He said, God, forgive these, these knuckleheads. Bendito. And they're hitting him with rocks and they're stoning him. And he starts praying. And the word says, after he prayed for their forgiveness, he fell asleep. So God didn't even let him, like, feel it. It, it sounded like he just, he's getting hit with rocks. Can you, I don't know if you've ever been hit with, like, a rock. I can't imagine what that feels like. But imagine a lot of angry, you know, men throwing rocks at you. And he's hitting there and he's praying, like, He's on the floor, bleeding, gushing, who knows, like the scene, can you imagine? But he's praying for them, and then the word says that he fell asleep. God just say, come on, you, you done good, right? And so we read there, and in, in, there's one little sentence in that chapter, hidden, verse 58, it says, and they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of this young man named Saul. <coughs> Chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Saul approved of his execution. So this man Saul was, was down with this. He approved of this execution. And then it says right there in chapter 8, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church. And this man Saul was ravaging the church. And he would enter into house after house, dragging men and women out and committing them to prison. 
This man was going to people's homes. And, and if he saw a little fish symbol on your car, he'd follow you home. And if he saw a little scripture on your door, he'd knock on your door. And if you were a Christian, he would drag you out and he had papers and authority to take you to prison. I wonder if we would, we would get rid of the fish symbols on our cars if we knew people were going to follow us and drag us. I wonder how committed we'd be if we knew we had to hide it. So chapter 9 tells us that this man named Saul who was persecuting the church in Jerusalem and, and now he starts heading towards Damascus to do the same thing. He, he's traveling to another town to just find people who were, back then they called it the way. They didn't call it Christianity. He wanted to find people who were in the way. And that's because Jesus said, I am the way, right? And, and that's because being a Christian is not about Christianity. It's about the way we walk and the way we live and the way, right? The way, amen? So, so he was following. So he was on his journey toward Damascus. Now, it's a six-day journey to Damascus from where he's at. You know this is a committed person, amen? This is a committed religious fanatic. This guy was so serious about his religion. See, it wasn't enough for him to be a Jew because the religious services for him, they weren't enough. It wasn't enough that, that the religious traditions that they had, it didn't provide enough satisfaction for him. The religious rituals that, that they had, the feasts and the festivals, it didn't fulfill him. See, he had so much zeal and so much fire in him that he felt he had to persecute those that weren't like him. There are a lot of Saul's in many churches today. There's probably some Saul's sitting right here. People that are so fired up about God that they're blinded by religion and nobody else is as holy or as righteous as they are because they have more fire and they have more zeal. And so everyone else is wrong. You ever met people like that? Paul was a man like that. So, but the word tells us this Saul is the same man, Paul. Just drop revelation for anybody that never heard that before. This Saul is the same man, Paul, who not only wrote First and Second Corinthians, but a huge chunk of the New Testament. And so, how did Saul, who was so religious and he thought he kept the law so well and that he had to punish those who couldn't, how did that Saul become this Paul? That's a great question. You guys are awesome. So, to make a long story even, even longer, Saul was this Saul, you, you know, because you asked how did he become, so I want to I tell you. So, this Saul, he was traveling and, and on his way to Damascus and what he had an experience with God. He was traveling, and the Word tells us in the book of Acts and in a couple of other places that there was this great light that flashed around him. Now, understand, in, when this happened, the Word tells us it was, it was in the height of the day. That means the sun was at its highest, so it was as bright as it could be outside. So imagine, and I love when God shows off. It was, it was as bright as it could be outside, and yet God shows up as a light brighter than the sun. And so he gets hit with this light and he, he flashed all around him. The word says he falls to the ground and he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul. When God says your name twice, it's serious. You know when mommy calls you twice, right? 
When, when God says your name twice, it's serious. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul stops and he asks, he says, who, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Saul said, well, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And it says that the men that were with him, they heard the voice, but they didn't see anyone, and they were terrified. Can you imagine? And so Saul rose from the ground. He opened his eyes, but he couldn't see. So now he was blinded by the light. And so it says they led him by the hand, and they brought him to Damascus. And the word says for three days he was without sight, and he neither ate or drank. So you picture this Saul, Paul... Sitting, blind, confused, God just rocked his world, right? Had an encounter with God and now he can't see. And look, this is where the story gets real cool. Then there's a man in Damascus named Ananias. Ananias was an ordinary person, the word tells us, right? And see, God, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, amen? All, all we have to do is be an ordinary person willing to be used by God. And, and, and man, this gets crazy. So look, Ananias, God, God gives this guy Ananias a vision. And then he tells him in the vision, go to, to the house on Straight Street, the house where Judas lives. So he, he gives him in a vision an address. To, he said, put this in your GPS and tell your camel to go right to this location. Right? And so he tells him, go to write to this apartment because in this house there's a man praying and he's just had a vision of you coming to him to lay hands on him so he can see. Come on, that's some exciting following God stuff right there. That's how we need to be living. We get a, me and you get a vision at the same time. I'm in Mount Vernon and you're in the Bronx and we get a vision at the same time and God tells me in this vision that you have a vision of me going to bring you a piece of cheesecake. Because you just cried out to God, if you love me, send me a piece of cheesecake. And, and I mean, God is so awesome that he would give two people a vision at the same time and tell them, give them instructions in that vision to go meet each other and to do something. I mean, that's crazy stuff, right? And so Ananias, and this is how we prove that Ananias is a regular dude. Ananias says, yo, God, are you serious? Saul, that dude is crazy. He's killing people like me. <laughs> Any of you would do that to God? Like we read that and we say, come on, if God told me to do something, I'd go. I'd be right there. You're right. You're right. Shut up. He's been telling you to do things for a long time and you're still fighting with him. It's only when we read the word that we get all religious. And so he tells Ananias, go and talk to this guy. Lay hands on him. Ananias says, are you crazy, God? This dude kills people like me. But he goes. It's okay to, to, to debate with God. It's okay to ask him. It's okay to tell him how you feel. But in the end, you just better be obedient. Amen? God knows it anyway, so you don't have to hide it. See, sometimes God blinds us. So that we can see, and then sometimes God will send us blindly to someone so that they can see. Amen? 
So he's obedient. He goes. He gets to Saul. Saul expects him. He's there. They meet each other. You're the guy in my vision. I'm the guy in your vision. God, God brought us together. He lays hands on Saul so Saul could see. He, <coughs> he says, I appeared. God has sent me to you so that you could regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so the word says, scales fell off of his eyes. And, and at worship team, you could come. Let's give them some hope that it's over. The word, the, the, the word says scales fell off the man's eyes and Ananias told him what God wanted him to know and, and what God wanted him to do. And so we read in Acts 22.14, Ananias said, The God of our fathers appointed you. Listen, listen to what God sends to, to, to this man. The God of our fathers appointed you to know His will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from His mouth, for you will be a witness. Listen, I know there's, there's a couple of people here, God is telling you that exactly right now. I don't know how you got here today. I don't know how you ended up here. I don't know if God brought you here a couple of months ago to set you up for today, because sometimes He does that. Or if God just brought you here right now, today, right now, to hear this. But God said, I've appointed you to do some things. To be a witness. And so Ananias said, and now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And so we read through the book of Acts, and, and Paul, man, he starts immediately, he starts preaching all over the place. People are still scared of him because of who he used to be. But before long, they see the way he lives his life, and they accept his message. That's for like four people here today. People are going to be scared of you still because of who you used to be. You were that big mouth at your job that's always gossiping about people. You were that bochinchero at your job that's always ready to, to drop some stuff. And so people are going to be scared of you because of who you used to be, but you're going to show them by the way you live your life. Some people are going to be scared of you because of who you used to to, to, to be with because of who you used to be, because of what you used to do. People are going to say, that dude was a gangbanger. That dude was a, a drug addict. That dude was a, a he's an ex-con. That dude was a thief. That dude was a crook. That dude was a murderer. But because of the way you're going to live your life, people are going to see that you're a witness. And you were anointed to do what God... See, church, when God allows us to be broken, it's only because He wants to build us back up and fill us. You, if you look at life like this, man, things will be different. Sometimes when God breaks us down, it's because the way we're, we built ourselves up is not prepared to handle what He wants to pour in. And so He needs to break us down so that He can build us up stronger and more able to handle what He wants to pour in. 
And, but, but sometimes we, we stay in the breaking part and we never move forward and we never let them rebuild. We just come to God and get broken and then we leave. And we say, if this is what it's going to be, forget it. I could get broke up at work. I could get broken on the block. I could get broken anywhere. I don't need to come to church. I don't need to come to God. I don't need to make myself vulnerable spiritually and get broken there too. And we leave broken. Some of you have come back to this church and I love you for it because you were broken 10 years ago. Because you were broken 10 months ago. And you understand now that God allowed you to go through the things that you're going through because He needed those skinny walls to come down. Because He needed that weak structure to fail. Because He needed that foundation. He knew that as tall as He was going to make you, that foundation that you had was, wasn't going to hold it. So sometimes God will take a sledgehammer to your foundation so He can build that thing wide. So he can grow you. Amen. Church, I want to keep it plain and simple. God does things in so many different ways. But if Paul's conversion is a pattern, then then we can share those experiences. Amen. So think about what just happened. First, Jesus confronts us with himself. God presents himself to us. And that could be through whatever situation he decides. It could be through a birth. It could be through a death. It could be through a visit to somebody. It could be through some friends. It could be through an experience at school. It could be through extreme happiness. Or it could be in great heaviness. But sometimes, but God is going to confront us with a light. However it happens, it's usually after we find ourselves that we've been blind for a long time. And then... We see our own sin and we see our own rebellion against God. Sometimes we're blind to that. We don't even know, right? Because we listen to the world and the world tells us, man, you're a pretty good person. You go to school, you go to work, you don't rape anybody. You're good, you're good peoples. I'd hang out with you. And so we compare, right? But God says, no, man, sometimes the scales got to come off and we got to realize, man, I am a low sinful, this wickedness in me. This wickedness in me. I thought I was good. On the outside, I look sharp. Inside, I'm filthy. Inside, I'm dirty. And so, we have to kind of get to that place where God confronts us and then humbly wait for the work within us that only He can do. For Paul, it was three days sitting, blind, Think about that. When you could see all the time, and now you're blind for three days, what does that make you do? That makes you, if you can't see anything outside, that makes you look inside, doesn't it? Right? As long as I can see things on the outside, I keep myself distracted. But if I can't see anything on the outside, then I got to look inside. And I have to deal with some of those issues that I, I got daddy issues that I haven't dealt with yet. And I'm, and I'm 40 years old. I got mommy issues. I got, I got issues that I've been hurt. I got issues that I've been abused. I got, I was molested. I was this. I was that. I was never loved. I was never uh, hugged. Nobody told me they loved me enough. And now I'm looking inside and I'm dealing with all this stuff. 
God said, I got to deal with all that stuff before I can. I don't want that in the building. No matter who you are today, no matter where you are, it's really plain and simple. All that's left for us today then are the words of Ananias. Please receive this. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Family, if you need to call upon the name of the Lord today, if you desire to have your sins forgiven, if you desire to walk different, if you desire to answer this call, if God is, is blinding you right now with some light, if God is, is, is um, just kind of all over your space right now, in your face right now, and just asking you things and making you search, if that's you, I, I ask you today, rise. Rise and stand to your feet. Why do you wait? Come and call on the name of the Lord. And have your sins forgiven. It's, it's a word written so many years ago, so long ago, but it's alive and active for you and me today. Rise and stand. Why do you wait? And that's our call today. Why do you wait? Come. Come and worship. Come. Come. Get out of your seats, man. This is, a, this is not about uh, some kind of crazy show. This is personal between you and God. So come out of your seats and say, God, who are you, Lord, and what would you have me do? If that's your prayer tonight, just join us today. Join us in worship as, as we just leave worship for a couple moments. Maybe the prayer team could come.